There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Good morning. Welcome back. I know collectively you all need a big hug. You know, yeah. you know it's that kind of after Christmas thing. It's, you know, New Year's is done. And now the realization is we're back. We can't, there's no hugging. Are we not allowed to hug? No, I can't even hug people these days. That's the problem. Uh, It's going to be very cool this week, by the way. Um, uh, Dropping down to about four degrees across the day, four or five degrees. But it's going to be very, very slippy on the roads over the next couple of days as well. Uh, So for for today on Leaside, Matt Aaron is saying that it's going to be noticeably colder. It's a gorgeous day out there. Um, But temperatures will drop to about four to six degrees. And it's going to be very slippy in the morning. There's even a chance of a bit of sleet and maybe snow Ooh. in the early hours of Tuesday morning, which is what we're in now. So keep an eye out for that yeah. on higher ground. Uh, but it's going to be a chilly week ahead, so take it nice and handy. Um, floating around and a big topic. Uh, for those of you that have smallies at home, how do you feel about sending the kids back to school uh, with the way things yeah. are going? We were talking about this just before nine o'clock. It, uh, it seems very kind of haphazardly mm-hmm. thought out. As, Should, as per usual, shouldn't it be up to the teachers? Uh, you know, they're the people. They're the, they're they're the frontline staff who are dealing with kids. Well, nobody who's not involved in the sector should be able to make the decisions for that sector yeah. because they don't understand what's actually going on ground level. Uh, Adrian Brannock is the principal with Gwales School Peg Sears. Good morning, Adrian. How are you doing? Hi, Ford, how are you? Great, good, thank good. You. good to talk to you. Listen, um, an article popped up with uh, your concerns uh, around sending all of the kids back to school. Um, you said that it's impossible for schools to manage infection control, uh, particularly coming off the back of Christmas, given this massive surge in positive cases uh, nationwide. You think this is, this is a really bad idea and we shouldn't be doing it? Yeah, look... Uh before Christmas, I had a different uh, opinion. I said that, look, we should try and keep schools open for, for the mental health of children and all that. But I think opening now is just premature and absolute madness. Um, even in my own situation in the school, I have four teachers who have uh, tested positive for COVID. Um, they're out. I'm trying to find substitutes and bring in 300 children into a school at the moment when they're spreading viruses as well is absolutely crazy. So I, I, I'm totally against it. I think we should delay it for two weeks at least. That's my own opinion. Yeah. With, with the, the way that things have been approached uh, thus far in terms, of, uh, in terms of managing COVID and stuff like that, it seems that everything has been, all of the changes and all of the decisions have been made in a very splintered, fractured way and in a very reactive way from the bottom Whereas nobody's actually made a decision from the top down, as in this is what we're going to do, and this will, and this is how it's going to affect everything on the ground level. It seems like it's just, oh, let's stop this for a week or two, let's change this, let's tell half the people to go home. Do you think that there there needs to be a proper like, you know, plan put in place, and then let that filter down to like your sector and other sectors, because this just feels like it's pushing things down the road more and more. Yeah, look, I think that um, <laughs> you know. There's a different decision every week, unfortunately. Um, as regards us, we, do, we we get a circular from the Department of Education every week. Um, everything changes. Um, Norma Foley, you know, is meeting today and they're going to make a decision. I don't know what's going to happen. But it is very, as you said, fractured. And, you know, we, we want, like, to be fair to teachers, to be fair to parents, to everybody else, we want something that's... Um, we can be clear about and we can plan. Um, at the moment, we're planning about putting in air filters into schools. Um, we don't even know, is that going to work? I've been told that they break down, the, a lot of maintenance involved, you know, 
and we're getting thousands of euros from the Department of Education. Uh, no, no structure at all, no uh, guidance. And I think from talking to colleagues at the moment, we just think it's madness to open up the schools at the moment. Um, I know, okay, of course, for children's mental health, it's great to get back. But look, they're on their holidays at the moment anyway. I mean, just a, a delayed holiday, I think, is a lot better than, you know, closing it down completely in, in, in the middle of, of a term when it would uh, affect children. But I think at the moment, I just think the best decision would be to delay it. Do you, do you think it's impossible to stop transmissions in schools because everything is so close and everyone's on top of each other? And even if you put in loads of different restrictions and loads of different protocols or whatever, it's still kids in very close proximity for a long period of time. Yeah, completely. I mean, you, you can stop maybe third to sixth class, um, you know, being on top of each other. But you're talking about infants <laughs> and you, you cannot stop infants uh, jumping on top of each other. Yeah. And at the moment, children are, are transmitting it as much as uh, adults are. And that's the problem. And you cannot stop, like, infants in second class. They're going to be on top of each other no matter what you do. You can't stop. You can't create these pods. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that you can, you can create pods in uh, infants right up to first class, second class, seven, eight-year-olds, mm-hmm. you know. And um, these children are going to be on top of each other. And they're going, it, it, it's going to spread no matter what. Yeah, it is. It is probably fair to say, Adrian, that it's you know kids are carrying this more than adults are, and uh, at this stage. But schools have done, to be fair, um, from speaking to, to friends of mine who are, who are in the, in the teacher business, they've done everything they can, and they've done everything they've been asked of, and they've gone beyond the call of duty in terms of keeping places safe, in in disinfecting, and watching the behaviour of the kids, and making sure that they're they're you know uh, you know. As, as a part as they can be uh, given the space that you have in a classroom um, so this is pretty unfair that you're constantly landed with all of these problems with very little guidance really yeah look as you said we're doing our best the best you can do is like we can keep um, we can keep separate classes you, you know and they go to the yard and they're in the one class but that's it um, but that's all you can do look we're doing our best, but as I said, um, to, to try and create pods um, hasn't worked at all. Mm. Definitely with, with junior classes, you know. Um, so, you know, um, we as a, we get we get we get uh, it's, it's crazy. Like we get um, as a, as a principal, <laughs> we get emails from the department on a Friday evening, you know, to try and prepare for the Monday morning as regards guidance, as regards everything, as regards. Face mask as guards, air filters, blah blah blah, and you know it's just it's just, it's crazy, and we're probably expecting some kind of an email today, probably around five or six o'clock from Norma Foley's office, um, telling us something, and we don't even know what's coming. We well, don't. Know. In in an ideal situation, Adrian, what? And I'm not asking you to solve the entire problems, but. Uh, what what's your ideal scenario or situation or what infrastructure or what plan do you think you know being somebody who's there on the ground you know dealing with it every day what do you think is the best thing that you think would would work in terms of curtailing it or should they all go back home and and study and work from home on zooms and stuff what do you think is the the ideal situation look my own opinion um i think that we should remain closed for at least 2 weeks Especially after Christmas, there has been so many people, there's so many gatherings going on after Christmas. I can guarantee you, when I come in tomorrow or in, in Thursday, there's going to be cases with children. Already, I have four teachers out at the moment with COVID. I'm probably going to have more before I come to Wednesday. Um, unfortunately, that, that that is the situation. I don't want to close the schools. I, all, I, I said before Christmas, you know, we should keep open for the sake of the children. But now it's got so bad. I know there's going to be cases with children. There's going to be cases with teachers. And I think the best thing to do is after Christmas, especially after Christmas, after so many gatherings, I think we should just, you know, delay it for two weeks at least mm-hmm. and just, you know, isolate. Uh, we, before Christmas, we knew this was coming and we sent all the books home with the children. So, like, they have the books. We can do online teaching. And it's not ideal, unfortunately, but it's the best thing we can do. You're doing your best, and fair play to you, Adrian, yeah. and to all to all principals and staff across Cork who 
uh, you're, you're pulling your hair out over, over this whole thing at the moment but um, listen keep up the good work and I, I hope it all works out maybe later on today you might get an email to say shut shop for a couple of weeks yeah. which would be the ideal situation that you're looking for um, if you have to keep going uh, as you said you're, you're scrambling looking for substitute teachers at the moment that can't be easy there can't be that many of them out there especially with every school uh, in a similar yeah. staffing situation uh, listen keep us updated with everything that's going on uh, in Peg Sears and, and keep up the good work thanks for chatting to us Thanks, Fergal. Thank you. All right, take care. Good luck. Uh, it's 18 minutes after 9 o'clock. It is Cork's 96FM. It's Casey and Ross with you. In for PJ Coogan. Uh, PJ's going to be back on air on Thursday Thanks, morning. Fergal. Casey and Ross in for PJ Coogan, who's going to be back on Thursday morning. Oh, by the way, Happy New Year to all of you. Mm-hmm. I hope you're doing all right. Yeah. It's a beautiful morning out there. Lines are open. 0818 uh, Parents uh, texting in and WhatsApping in are, are basically 99% of them are of the of the agreements that schools should not be opening. The problem is, obviously, people are faced with Ross. Is logistics? Yeah, you got two two parents that are working full time, and they both have jobs to get to. And then Auntie Nelly up the road has is is isolating, and yeah. your friend who usually does a bit of babysitting is sick. It's 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 a pretty sticky situation for a lot of people yeah. out there, right? Yeah. Uh, someone texted in saying, "Stop! Don't talk to me." The wife's crash went uh, COVID viral Christmas week with eight out of the ten staff infected uh, and a child or two as well. The whole family had COVID for Christmas. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, listen, it's not the first time we've heard of you know an outbreak in a school or a, a mass infection in a school. That's that's why we're talking about uh, closing them for two weeks because it's just it's a breeding ground. Obviously, it's a petri dish. Yeah, there there is a massive staff crisis issue for early child. Uh, providers across Cork and we'll talk to Elaine Dunn about that 0818969696 if you want to have a chat with us Elaine Dunn is the Chair of Federation of Early Childhood Providers Elaine, good morning how are you? Good morning uh, good. Yeah, uh, good Listen, lovely to talk to you um, again, like our last caller uh, like Adrian, the Principal of, of Peg Sears um, have you any hair left? Have you pulled it all out? <laughs> no, well for me personally um, out of 13 staff in a full day care I'm down 9 today Wow so uh, and now I've got parents texting and ringing and saying, um, are we opening? What are we doing? And how can I open? I, I, if I open, it'll just be for frontline staff because I can't man any more than that. And we, you can't cross pods with your staff either. Yeah. So you can only open up to one pod. Remi- remind, everybody, remind everybody, Elaine, first of all, pre-COVID and mm-hmm. before the issues, what are the rules uh, for teacher to kid ratios in, in childcare centres now? Okay, so um, I, the way it works, it depends on the age range. So for me in my service, um, I'm one to six in one part of the service, one to eight in another part, and then in the after school, it's one to 12. You know, so it's quite difficult to try and run the service and look after all the children and cater for all the families on a skeleton. So uh, what, what's, the, what, staff, like. what's the message that you're giving to people that are contacting you saying what's going on because you obviously are the point of contact for people so are you kind of telling people that there there isn't a service there or like how how are you managing the lack of well, infrastructure we're trying, I suppose what we're trying to do is explain to parents the situation we're in um, I would have uh, liked a lot more support from government at this time but they seem to have gone to ground up until today so hopefully we'll get some news today. We are on a meeting at 12 o'clock the, this afternoon um, with the department. Um, what's going to change between now and then? I don't know. I, I'm hoping that they will give us a bit of time to say, look, keep us closed this week, uh, the ones that are struggling with staff at this time, and maybe next week as well, and let the virus do its best over the next two weeks and then see where we go from there. I mean, look, we don't have the HEPA machines in. We don't have access to the antigen testing every day for staff for children within the services. You know, there was a, a, a poll done by ACP yesterday um, and within a number of hours, they had 700 people answered. 70% of providers in this country do not have adequate staff to open up. I mean, that's huge. Mm. I've never seen that, that at all, ever. You know, we just cannot open on skeleton staff. It's dangerous. It's not in the, the best interest of the children or the staff or anybody else. The well-being and safety has to be paramount. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there are children and there are staff that are coming into work that are, you know, high risk medically. And you have to remember that as well. So there's, there's an awful lot to be considered. And I think leaving it to last minute, having a meeting today, that's last minute. Some services have opened this morning with skeleton staff. I provided on to me yesterday crying that they just, how are they going to man this? How are they going to manage? And like as I said, we, all we can do is our best. And um, I hope parents will back us on this. We are doing our best. 
But without staff, we cannot open. We are up against it with TUSLA regulations, with ratios, with all of that stuff. So, you know, we need the support of the parents here as well to understand, please do not send in sick children to us. And, and you could be in a situation too, whether if you're down staff and you're, you're trying to accommodate the kids that are coming into you and all of a sudden you've got too many kids in one pod or one area and then you get an inspection knock at the door. I mean, mm. you know, and the, and the HSE rock in uh, wondering how, th- how things are managed. I mean, you're completely snookered there as well. Well, I suppose that the one thing to be that we all have to be vigilant in is that we do not take in too many children. I mean, we are bound by the, the rules of TUSLA. That's as simple as that. You cannot take too many children in. Um, but what I would hope is that the department would look favourably on no inspections at the moment. I mean, we don't let anybody into our services. So why are we going to let an inspector in that we don't know where she has been? Mm-hmm. We don't know what she's done over Christmas. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So there's common sense prevails here. I mean, realistically, we're not allowed to refuse a, a tooth inspection, but there are a lot of other inspections there that we get as well. But I would hope at this point that our minister and the department will look favourably on ceasing all of the inspections at this time until this starts to calm down again. If 70% of the sector is understaffed and it seems to be widespread across the country, do you not think that there should be a decision made where they're saying, well, if 70% can't cope, we need to make a blanket decision and tell everybody go to ground until until numbers yeah. are, are, are lower or at least they can bring in a full staff because why should some people be struggling when others aren't? And then, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like they're serving the 30% even though the 70% can't manage? Oh, no, absolutely, yeah. I, I, I absolutely believe it should be a blanket closure. And it should be a blanket closure from now until maybe the end of next week and see where we are then. But, I mean, at the moment, look, they gave us a grant. We got a grant for the Heaven Machine service, which is very welcome. We got it on, it came into our banks on Christmas Eve. Then you get on to the company. We have got a company that's working with us, with the Federation, and we've gotten on to them. And they're trying to service as many of us as quick as possible. But they can only do as much as they can as well. So until we have the proper ventilation in and, and you know, that that's a huge one. And they have to listen to us. The department need to listen. Parents need to come out here and support the services that are in trouble and are struggling at the moment. And we do need a blanket closure for two weeks. Will we get it? Who knows? Are you waiting to find out later on today if, they, if they're going to, yeah. go to shut everything they- down? There's there's a meeting at twelve o'clock. You can see the ASTI have come out there screaming for the schools as well. We're all we're all saying the same thing. And I, and I heard earlier on on your program that parents are now saying the same thing. You know, maybe the parents should come out and speak out louder uh, on on social media and that, and let the government know that they don't feel it's safe for their children to return to schools and crashes either. It's a tough station, isn't it, Elaine? Yeah. It really is. Totally. Um, and it's very stressful for everybody. And it's affecting every sector. And, you know, the fact that the government haven't come out and made any announcements whatsoever, they're only meeting for the first time today, is absolutely disgraceful. It really and is. All, all, all anybody's worried about is the price of a can. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at the front pages of all the newspapers. That's, that's what's making all the headlines today. It's, it's, it's the price, oh of, price of six packs. Um, the very best of luck. I hope you get the news you're looking for today. And like, um, like Adrian that we just spoke to, um, I mean, it's, it's quite obvious what, what you guys are looking for and what you need uh, because the staff are not there to, to, to support you know, the next couple of weeks. Um, so Elaine Dunn, thank you for chatting to us. Best of luck. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, take care. Right, here's the number. 0818969696. It's a brand new number uh, for Cork's 96. FM if you want to give us a buzz and the WhatsApp is open as well 0833 96 96 96 Corks 96 FM morning I was watching the Hootenanny on, on New Year's Eve yeah and uh, and then I was looking at Twitter and then somebody it, it's like they, they it's like they kind of ruined Christmas for me go on said oh this Hootenanny isn't enjoyable because they recorded it three weeks ago but they always do they what they always record. Thought, they always record these things before. I thought it was live. No. I was watching a live countdown. All these Graham Norton things and everything. They do it in like they do it in August. Terrible, the shorts and t-shirts. It takes the joy out of. <laughs> They're all off in Barbados. Yeah, I'm I'm sit, sitting in my jocks at home on my own, freezing yeah. to death watching. Like, them. What's your new resolution? It's May, boy. What are you on about? <laughs> anyway, back to uh, some of your messages, guys. Do you know is anyone collecting Christmas trees down East Corkway? Uh, if there's anybody in the business, a lot of charities have been doing that. A lot of Boy Scout charities uh, are doing. Yeah. Cr- Christmas tree collections and taking them away and shredding them and whatnot. Yeah, messages here as well on the uh, the school. Uh, the only way schools will stay closed is staff numbers. They will close. They won't have the staff. Um, and you know, some people are saying that in some places there's ninety staff missing out of you know 
220 or something like that, which is massive numbers. Uh, Owen's been on to a spirit thought for all employers today who think they're going to get any sort of a productive day out of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pray for the employers. Yeah. yeah. I, I think employers are like, I, I think they, they're going to be well, at least they should be easing you back into it. Yeah. Unless they're standing there with a whip in a chair, welcoming you back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and saying, "This is what this is what like this is what the year ahead is going to look like." Uh, I think Tony Houlihan it says he was wrong to close the pubs. Uh, we all know there was loads of uncontrolled parties over the Christmas break, and I think it'll only make all the issues you're discussing even worse. Uh, says Kate. Thank you, Kate. Richard's been on to us on WhatsApp. Trouble is, if schools are closed, then the parents uh, will send the kids to nan and granddad. That's exactly what we're talking about, Richard. Uh, because they've no choice in regards to work etc we've been keeping the kids away from grandparents and houses all Christmas yeah Marion says it's madness sending children back to school just like the new isolation rules madness pure madness how are people going to go back to work after five days when they have said people could start uh, symptoms day four to six and up to 14 days if they are close contacts utter insanity alright keep your messages rolling into us 0833 96 96 96 on whatsapp or text or you can call our new number it's 0818-969696. Just before we got out of here on the show early in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, it's where you'll normally find us. This happened. Uh, question number four. What is a third of 27? It is nine. nine. What fictional character carries a trident? I have the devil here, but you're Aquaman. right. Aquaman carries one as well. Uh, in what month is Father's Day? You took your time, but you got there eventually. You had to go back through memory bank and go, what did I get in June? It, is, got June, a card. Is it? it is June. Uh, question number seven. The American monument that has four presidents' faces carved on it is Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Well done. Uh, where is the World Cup going to be held next year? I didn't know the answer to this. It's Qatar, isn't it? You're correct. Nice. Two away, buddy. Two oh, away. Oh, you're matching don't, your old score. Don't. What is the main ingredient of guacamole? It is avocado. Unless you're heavy on the pepper. Right. <laughs> Jesus, lads. Nine out of ten. This is the last question. I can't remember. I can't remember what, remember what question this is. Same me. Oh, I do remember what this is. This is the Cockney rhyming slang one. Oh, yeah, don't, yeah. Paul, oh. give, Paul, give his full name, please. Paul what? O'Connor. Paul O'Connor, where are you from, Paul O'Connor? Don't, don't, don't be doing this now. No, I'm just, I'm just asking you. Rat Cormac. Paul, what was Paul your O'Connor. logic behind it? Because, was it just because it rhymed with race? Did you not oh. think, did you not think of the first half, both? Ah. Uh. Yeah. Paul O'Connor. I hope you're going to put a smile on your boat race, because you just won two thousand yeah. Yes, the winner we were looking for before Christmas. We knew you were out there, Paul. That's uh, that's how do you feel, Paul? Oh man, I can't believe it. That's uh, that's that's a little bit of pressure taken off for January. I hope, Paul. Oh jeez, it is. (laughs) He sounded happy, didn't he? He did. He really did. did. And you can tell we've had many, many winners. You know when it means a lot to them. Uh, but at the, there was one thing that was in, in that call when we spoke to Paul. Hello, Paulie. How are you? Good morning, all. Morning. Welcome back. Morning. Um, very, very rich you. voice, isn't he? He's, very rich voice. <laughs> very, very calm, soothing voice. Uh, Paulie, you, you did say, like, when, when we had you on the air before Christmas, that it was the end of a rubbish year for you. It was. Um, it was indeed. And then yes. your, your sister, Gillian, who is, she's down Waterford direction, is she? She is indeed. Yeah, so she puts out this tweet. Uh, was never so happy for my brother today and his €2,000 that he just won. He's run ragged in work in Musgraves because they obviously he had a crazy Christmas and uh, things yeah. were crazy there. But at home, there's, there's a lot going on at home. Um, how's Michelle doing? She's been going through, your wife has been going through some chemo. She's, she's okay. Look, she's a fighter. Yeah. So, um, we're grateful for that. Yeah. You know, she still gets up every morning with the kids, just to make sure that two kids are happy, and and they're going out the door. Yeah, and um, you've you've been kind of you've stepped up to the mark as as su- <laughs> as super dad. You know, yeah, you really have. Far, like, but you have to do what needs to be done. Yeah, you know, you don't have a choice. Yeah, and in, in terms of in terms of you know ending out a year with like a li- just a little glimmer of a nice little bonus a nice little you know thing like that it must just I suppose all those kind of little things kind of just lubricate the track a little bit do they? It was like no look 
the 2000 was brilliant and I'm very grateful but you know it wasn't even just the win the money it was, it was just just some good news yeah just a good little moment like yeah, yeah. You know, exactly because since last September it's just been all bad news you know we've had three 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 bad news you know in a row wow in a row, you know, we thought we got it, and unfortunately, then we didn't get it, and there wasn't enough, and then there was a, a mastectomy, and then they found some more, and so there's another operation to go, and then there's therapy, and yeah, but she's chemo and she's fighting, she's fighting hard, and she's doing everything she can. Jesus, she's fighting hard. Right. She's actually just backing off in the blood then, and she's sitting beside me in the car. Oh wow! And give her, give yeah. her. Well, she can obviously hear us. Egg or all of her best wishes. Yeah, go to you. We're, um, we're actually no. It's actually we're bridging with Joe Ross because we were supposed to go see you twice. Obviously, two years ago we had to cancel over COVID. Well, so it's not all bad news. Could <laughs> 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 have really ruined your year. <laughs> you, you, you dodged a bullet there, Paul. I can tell you. That one. Um, well, we're supposed to go with our neighbours, and in fairness, they said they had an absolutely brilliant night there. Yeah, he, he, he was fantastic. The mad thing is, we talk to people on air all morning, as in we're you know having the banter and having the crack with people. Yeah, and it's mad because you just you, you don't, don't know, know what's you, going you don't on. know what's yeah. going on in anyone's life, and I think that's like something that people should take away as well for if they're dealing with anybody, even just in a shop queue or in traffic or whatever it is. It's like you just don't know what every everyone is going through something. Mm-hmm. So like, and you know, people by and large are generally good people, and it's obviously some people are under stress and under pressure especially with all the stuff that's going on in the world at the moment it's like it kind of gives you a little bit of perspective going oh you came on as a caller and then we didn't know what your we you didn't know, know your backstory exactly. basically exactly. And, and how exactly. much, how much yeah. you know you know, the, the money's great and everything it's a nice little nice little uh, oh, bonus yeah. or whatever but you you have like a, as a family uh, as as a crew you're you're going through a tough one at the moment and we just wanted to ring you to let you know look um, we know you've stepped up to the mark massively as a dad and as a husband and you're doing you're doing fabulous things for your family and we're thinking Thank of you, you and we're thinking of Michelle and we know that yeah. there's going to be good news down the line okay so there just will look there will and to be honest look that, that money is going towards a trip to your does need oh, at the end of the year when, when everything is all back on track yeah brilliant and it will be back oh, on track so. listen uh, thanks a million for listening to us and look you're going to have and a great year kids say hello to you yeah can, of course absolutely right guys shout out let's get you now. hey guys hi who's, who's in the back of the car with you Paul we in Who's five and he's a huge Liverpool supporter. That's my kind oh, of that's no. my kind of real. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and Ellie, who's seven and she loves anything to do with unicorns. All right. Okay. Brilliant. I, listen, there's more chance of unicorns winning stuff than Liverpool apparently this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, yeah. will, will, will the lot of you take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Okay. Indeed. All okay, right. Good luck. Take Appreciate care. That. Thanks a million. Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Let's talk about cans. Let's. Let's talk about cans and alcohol and pricing, uh, which is dominating the front of all the papers this morning. A retailer here in Cork yesterday, Sam's Gala in Dunmanway, posted on Facebook um, that's, uh, their, their grievance with the pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, 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 they're not happy about it. They're, the quote was, this is everything a retailer is trying to avoid, yeah. uh, which is increasing prices. Um as they as they published uh, today's price, which was yesterday, uh, for a slab of cans was twenty five euro. Today's price now it's forty five euro forty five. So that's a massive jump uh, in the price of booze. It seems to be just uh, relating to cans at the moment. I don't know if this, if this comes into you know if you buy a case of beer, a case of bottles, if it's uh, affecting it in really? the same way. I, I presume it would be. Uh, but spirits and wine, it hasn't really changed uh, the pricing structure of that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mirror this morning, there's two arguments for it. Uh, one of them is Owen McKinney. He's a spokesman for Alcohol Action Ireland. And uh, he's for this price increase. He's saying, uh, our devotion to drink has been fed by reckless discounting. Every day, we lose three lives to alcohol-related illnesses. And 1,000 hospital beds are taken with those with similar issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, against it is Lisa Nolan, who's a, a mirror, uh, writes for the Irish Mirror. She's a features editor. And she's saying, like many others, I grew up with alcoholism in my family. And I'm against this measure. I believe it's lip service in an increasingly safest society. And it just means more government overreach into our lives under the usual banner of being in the name of public good. Uh, so it's split people down the middle here. It really has. Uh, Coonwera is Ireland's largest voluntary provider of addiction treatment services and residential rehabilitation. And its main objective is the rehabilitation of people suffering from alcohol and drug and gambling addictions. Uh, and from the centre uh, is uh, Michael Guerin, who's on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Good morning, Casey, and good and happy new year. Thank happy you very much for chatting to us this morning, Michael. Um, you are very much in favour of this. Why? Um, I suppose I'm in favour of it because we see on a regular basis the devastation that alcohol can wreak in someone's life and in in their family's lives um, through alcoholism. But in addition to that, we are very aware of the fact that a lot of harmful drinking, a lot of binge drinking goes on, and we are also aware of the the very stark consequences it has for society in general as was outlined there in your introduction by the spokesperson for Alcohol Action Ireland. And I think particularly the the effect where alcohol-related harm can take up between 1,000 and 1,500 acute hospital beds in any given day in this country in the current climate is a very stark figure. It is. You know, you know we are, we're giving out about hospital beds for, you know, people with, with COVID and mm-hmm. the, the availability of them. And then when you look at those kind of figures, you kind of think, wow, that's, that's startling. Yes. And, and a lot of the time, organisations like ourselves are asked to speak about things like illicit drugs and trends in the illicit drug market and so on and so forth. And we're keen to point out all the time that for all we talk about drug dependence and drug abuse in this country, alcohol causes more problems for us as a society than all the illicit drugs put together. So it is a huge public health issue where alcohol-related harm is concerned. Now, I understand where the retailer and the points that he made that effectively some of the products that he has for sale on his shelf have doubled in price because of a government measure overnight. And I also understand the mirror columnist because for people who enjoy alcohol responsibly, this is going to cost them more. But minimum unit pricing initiatives where they have been introduced in other countries have helped to reduce alcohol-related harm in those countries. One example would be Australia. When they introduced minimum unit pricing for alcohol, alcohol-related accident and emergency admissions in one year dropped by one-third. Okay. So that is the type of effect we are, we are talking that a well-designed um, minimum unit pricing strategy can have on alcohol-related harm. As I say, I'm not anti-drink at all. Um, but I'm simply saying that there is a good deal of alcohol-related harm happening in this country, some of it by people who have the illness of alcoholism, but not all. And there is a huge cohort of young people out there who are drinking harmfully um, at great cost to themselves and at great cost to society in terms of scarce resources like hospital beds. Michael, um, 
when you're saying about the avoidability of um, of alcoholism and, and and the medical issues of alcoholism, and that it's something that needs to be curtailed and brought down. Like smoking is smoking is the most avoidable. Uh, cause of death in Ireland as in it's the one that you could get rid of and you see in New Zealand that they've brought in this mandate where that uh, anyone under the age of 14 will never be able to buy cigarettes ever again for the rest of their lives do you think that by increasing the price of alcohol it's really only like a lip service to say oh look we're trying to deter people from doing it whereas in, in actual fact you know if the problem is that if you're trying to deter people from buying alcohol if they have an alcohol problem is there is there a, a better way to do that rather than just making it less affordable or less convenient? Well, I think there are two distinct cohorts of of, of the population that we talk, we're talking about here when we're talking about alcohol related harm. Mm-hmm. We're talking about people who suffer from alcoholism on the one hand, um, and there needs to be comprehensive supports and services there for those people so that they can get help. There are another cohort of people who are experiencing alcohol-related harm who may not necessarily be alcoholic. And I'm talking about people who drink to harmful levels on a regular basis. So while you are right in saying that an increase in, in, in the average price of alcohol for sale or a minimum unit, a floor price being put in will not eliminate conditions like alcoholism within Irish society. They will, may certainly go some way to reducing harmful drinking. And again, if we go back to a report that was issued before Christmas by the, I think it was the Beaumont Hospital, um, which indicated that liver disease amongst Irish young people is still on the rise here. And things like that are very concerning and they can be correlated um, very accurately or very closely to things like lung diseases and smokers, where people are presenting in hospitals with illnesses that can be directly attributable to their alcohol consumption. Michael, what about a situation where you have um, the unfortunate situation where you've got uh, parents who are heavy drinkers? Um, yes. They've they've got a young family. They've got kids. Um, all of a sudden, you're paying forty five quid for a slab of cans. That twenty quid that would have been spent on pasta or food for the kids, that's that's now gone. I mean, is that is that a point of concern as well? Yes, absolutely. It's a point of concern. I mean, and and this this for anybody who takes a drink in any way, shape, or form, this minimum unit pricing initiative is going to have an effect on them because it's going to cost them more money. And I can't help but have sympathy for the individuals who drink responsibly or recreationally um, without any problematic dimension to it, and that this is going to cost them more in their pockets. I suppose the government were faced with weighing the, the wishes of these people on the one hand against the very stark and dire information from a public health point of view that has been fed back to them in relation to alcohol-related harm. And I suppose in terms of, of smoking, um, it doesn't rank as highly as smoking in terms of the harm it causes. But nonetheless, alcohol for some can be a very destructive and harmful um, substance. And minimum unit pricing will help in reducing that harmful drinking and that alcohol abuse. Um, admittedly, it will have an effect on other people who don't necessarily have a problem with it, which is a pity. But I believe the government in this instance um, had to do something in terms of the availability of cheap and strong alcohol from multiple retailers, which was the big issue. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's a case of as well, if you could afford a slab of, 20, a slab of cans for 20 quid and now you're doing a toss-up of pasta for the kids or, or cans that are more expensive, there's probably a problem there anyway. If that's, you know what I mean? If, if people are going, well, priorities are priorities, I've got to get my cans, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. then there's probably an issue there underlying anyway. Yes, and you have preempted what I was about to say there next, that if we are talking about a trade-off in any particular household between alcohol and food, for example, or any other essential staple item, it's quite clear that that person who is buying the alcohol would really need to address their alcohol consumption because there's something radically wrong there. In terms of what you do on a day-to-day basis at the centre, I mean, I've nothing but appreciation for people who yeah. you know dedicate their life voluntarily to helping other people get out of addiction. My understanding of addiction, Michael, is it, it, it's complex, but there's no addiction without pain. Would you agree? Yes. Um, there is no addiction without pain. And generally speaking, um, 
for the clients who present with with problems to us of varying kinds. Um, there would be underlying emotional and psychological issues that we would need to address during the course of the treatment process that would have contributed to the problem. So there, and 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 furthermore, um, that person has undergone huge suffering, and their families have undergone huge suffering during the course of their active addiction. Um, so we deal with pretty um, challenging, difficult, and sad cases on a regular basis. Um, and in some cases, we get very, very good and happy outcomes from that. So in that respect, it's a very satisfying um, occupation. Okay. If anybody's going through a situation at the moment where they feel they need intervention and they probably need your help, how can they contact you, Michael? Yes, they can contact us on www.coonverda.ie and that website will give you a list of all the contact numbers of our centres. For the people in Cork, we have a, a, a premises on the Western Road which has a Facebook page called Chockvera Cork and that will give people through instant messaging direct access to a qualified counsellor down there should they feel they need to talk about their own drinking or the drinking of a loved one. So okay. it's coonvera.ie, that's C-U-A-N-M-H-U-I-R-E dot I-E. Yeah. That is correct. Keep up your great work and we'll hopefully talk to you very soon. Thank you very much. Good Cheers, to talk Michael. Yeah. Take care, Michael. All Thank right. you very much. Okay, coonvara.ie, C-U-A-N-M-H-U-I-R-E. It's one of many programs that are out there yeah. with, with people that are doing this on a day-to-day basis. So I, I hope you've seen both sides of it, but uh, what's your thoughts on it? 0833 96, 96, 96 or you can dial our new number. It's 0818 It's Casey and Ross in for PJ Coogan until Thursday. Antigen testing is what we're going to have a chat about on the show this morning. And uh, it's something that a lot of you have become, well, I've become, I've become a master at antigen testing. Yeah, like it is self-administered. It is, it is a bit of a strange one, sticking that, that cotton but yeah. rod back your own schnoz, but, mm-hmm. you know... I'm scraping my own brain here, lad. <laughs> That's what it feels no like. No damage done. Um, <laughs> so I bought, I bought a pack, Rachel bought a pack, and then we ran out pretty quickly after a couple of days yeah. of testing right across Christmas. So we had to go out and buy another of them. And they're, gen- they're generally around €25 Euro for five. Yeah. Now, when you when you open the kit, there's a lot of bits to it, okay? You've got the, the little test unit uh, that you put the droplets the into. Vial, yeah. uh, you've got the little fluid container and you've got the, uh, we'll call it the testing rod. The swab. The swab. <laughs> test rod is a much cooler name for it, I think. It's my um, nickname in secondary school. Really? <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of, you know, from a production-wise, they probably the fiver is about the right price for them. But should they be given out for free? Absolutely. Do you want to contain yeah. uh, the situation at the moment? Uh, a Cork TD has called for the antigen test kits uh, to be posted out free to every Irish home. Uh, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central is Thomas Gould. Thomas, good morning. How are good morning. you? Good morning, lads. Great idea. It should be happening. Why isn't it happening? Well, first of all, I want to wish you and all your listeners a very happy and hopefully safe 2022. Likewise, sir. Uh, and I think that free antigen testing widely available to everyone would be a good first step in that. Um, it has taken the government months to catch up where other countries around the globe have been with antigen testing. Yeah. Um, you see in other countries where they're given out freely, uh, they're sent out to people's homes, they're given out to schools and uh, doctors and pharmacies. Like What we know at the moment is that the HSE are roughly testing 300,000 people a week with the PR, PCR testing. Yeah. Now, that's at maximum. We can't get any more in. And what the, the HSE have asked for is people between 5 and 39 to antigen test the home. The problem is a lot of people don't have them or can't get them. I've had people contacting me for the past uh, four or five days saying that they're running around from pharmacies to supermarkets. Um, I see one lady, I was in the supermarket in Super Valley Holly Hill yesterday and there was one girl, she must have had 12 or 15 of them walking out, all sold individually. I was in the chemist the other day where um, they had no individuals or packs of five. They were selling packs of 20 at 60 euros each for a pack of 20. Okay, so they're like, bundling them and, yeah. and, and hiking up the Stop prices on them. So, like, w- what we're saying is, um, and uh, actually, I spoke to pharmacies that didn't have them in stock, that were waiting for stock to come in. No, what you have now is you have people going around pharmacies and supermarkets and shops looking for testing kits, but they shouldn't be out in the boat. 
a lot of these people who might be um, suspected of having COVID, they're trying to get the test because there's a lot of flu around at the moment and people need the test to, to let them know. So, like, to me, it's a no-brainer. There should be, all the schools should have them. Yeah. All the schools should have them. Uh, they should have had them before Christmas. And the government, no, the government has said they're going to start posting them out to, um, uh, to I think, under 39s. But, like, why aren't they giving them to every household in, this, in the country? And what we know by the testing is one-third of everyone who's tested COVID positive and since, since Christmas has been through an antigen test. So that means it's keeping thousands of people away from the PCR tests that are actually overwhelmed at the moment. Yeah. So for me, and I'm talking to people now, maybe four or five or six people in the household, if you're paying three or four euros for every test, every two or three days, like it's, it's a lot of money for a lot of families, especially after Christmas, when, you know, January can be a very tough month for people. And it's a no-brainer. It helps keep people safe. And I just can't understand why the government... And it just shows that they don't realise how, how ordinary people have to live, go to work, go to school, and this is something they need to do. Again, there's a lot of misinformation, not misinformation, but there's a lot of mixed messages and confusion around uh, antigen tests and PCR and what's the right thing to do and stay in and self-isolate and don't do a test, do do a test, don't rely on the antigen test. Like, the goalposts change every yeah, day. Like nearly, an, yeah, like an effort professor said that uh, that they're akin to snake oil. That was a previous comment that was made. So w- you're being told one week that an antigen test isn't good enough. Then you're being told that's the only thing that you can rely on because we don't have PCRs. Like, it's... You, you'd understand why people are kind of going like, well, which one is it then? Are we are we able to trust them or are we not? Or do we just stay in if we have a sniffle? Because it, as you said, we're in flu season. Everybody, every household has something perpetually at one stage or another. So does that mean that we all just lock ourselves away until until it's summertime and everyone's healthy again? Because that's what it seems like. No, and you're right. There's, there's un, unbelievable confusion there now. And that's why you need a minister to come out today to give a nice clear, straightforward message that people can understand. And, do, like, if you remember at the very start of the pandemic, we, we were waiting to see should we were wearing masks. When other countries all around the world were wearing masks, we weren't at the start. It's the same with antigen testing. Uh, when other countries were using it, the government was... It's only in the last couple of days the government have said, we need to do it now. David Cullen, our spokesperson, was calling for this weeks ago. We were saying, like, we know the antigen tests aren't as good as PCR tests, but a test a, a test is better than nothing. And what we know is that they do. You can get a positive negative, which means you could test and you could be negative, but you could actually it will develop maybe in a couple of days. But what we do know is once you test positive, you've got COVID. So when if you use an antigen test and what I'm hearing is from the experts, once you use an antigen test and you test positive, well, then you're COVID positive and you isolate. And the other confusion then comes is how long do you isolate for? Like, I had COVID myself in November. Uh, I remember being in the front room for 10 days. Now they're saying it could be uh, seven days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need, like, what we, like, people are looking for the government to to let them know what's the right thing to do. Well, they're and, suggesting that, aren't they, if, you, if you've got your booster jab, it's now been reduced to a, to seven days isolation if you do test positive. Yeah, but it's very, it's all over the shop. Right, Thomas, I'm, go- yeah. I'm going to give you a scenario here, right? Because everyone is everyone who's involved in politics is always very quick to say the government. And it's usually everyone who's opposing the government or in another party that says <laughs> the government. Because if, if Sinn Féin was in charge, you would also be the, the government. government yeah. So let me put this to you, right? You're in charge what are we doing? We're giving free antigen tests for everyone so that people, and what we're going to do is increase the capacity for PCR testing. Like, we know, we, we knew before Christmas the Omicron variant was much more transis- transmissible and we were going to be hit with a wave in the early New Year. And we haven't reacted. Like, here we are now. I know people who are ringing me, contacting me, who are vulnerable family members who can't get a PCR test. 
Mm. They're, they're on their phones constantly trying to book and they cannot book anywhere. The PCR they, testing was a bit of a circus as well over the Christmas with people turning up, particularly up around the airport, I heard. There was people that were told to drive up and then they had to get out of their car. I had, I had to walk into a, a place up by the airport instead of the, the drive thing had a sign yeah. saying go up and walk into a building. And stand out in the cold for maybe three or four mm. hours before they were seen to. Like These are sick people outside waiting to get in to get tested. Yeah. But where are you going it, to get? It, where do you get the infrastructure and the manpower from if you're just suggesting to increase PCR? Because I, I assume but, that they would do the it thing, if they had it themselves. We had this months ago. Like we saw there when we saw when Omicron started to hit. We 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 were after leaving hundreds of um, vaccinators go or moving them. We knew this was coming. Like what I can, like in September, the government was talking about stepping down deficit. You know, that, that just shows how old it touched the are with the reality. Like, I'm not an expert, but the medical experts and the World Health Organizations, if you follow the, the, the experts and what they're saying is, we knew this was coming and we didn't prepare. What I'm saying now is, okay, it's a new year, let's start the fresh, let the government, let the minister come out today and say, this is our plan. People want the plan, like people want to be safe, they want to protect their family. I, I was my father. Uh, my father will be 80 in, in the 15th of January. He's after his uh, uh, vaccinations. He's had his booster. Uh, we were going out to my sister's house Christmas Eve, and my dad had the sniffles. Mm. So what we did over a couple of days, we gave him an antigen test so that he could be confident. No, he's fine. The sniffles were gone after a day or two. So it is possible where people get this, get the vaccines, get the booster, use antigen testing, use common sense. And that's what people are looking for the minister to come out and tell them today. This is our plan. This is what people should do. You can stay safe, but you can still live because people have to go to work. People have to still live. Like For a lot of people, uh, this was a really tough Christmas. Mm. Uh, an awful lot of people, we have huge problems with people, with loneliness, with people... Um, just feeling depressed, uh, they're feeling anxiety because of COVID and because of having to, to worry of catching it. So we need a minister now to give people some hope and make a statement, give a plan, and let's get behind it then and follow it. Sinn Féin TD for North Cork Central, Thomas Gould. Thanks for talking to us this morning. Cheers, Thomas. Take care. Thank yeah, on a, on a side issue... Um, there's a massive global shortage of good quality antigen tests, so that's another issue. Yeah, it's production as well, yeah. Uh, so so getting them into the country is, is a bit of an issue at the moment. Isn't but, it uh, refreshing to hear a politician say, I'm not an expert? <laughs> Since everyone else is like, no, I pretty much know everything about this whole situation. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks to Thomas for joining us uh, on the show this morning. All right, stay with us. It's the Opinion Line with Casey and Ross until 11. It's Casey and Ross in for PJ Coogan. PJ is going to be back with you on Thursday. He's having a little, uh, a snaky extended break. Uh, so he'll be back with you in uh, in a couple of mornings time. Lazy. Do you think um, do you think Cork is clean? Hmm. I would say that on ground level it is. Mm. And I would say as soon as you look up past the first floor or past the ground floor of a building, it's not. Dilapidation happens at height in Cork. Mm-hmm. Never mind buildings falling down and having to be braced and stuff, but just even the lick of paint. You walk around Cork City and on ground ground level, everything's lovely and pristine. You look up one floor and it looks like you're looking at the 1870s. Yeah, but I'm talking litter-wise when you're walking around the streets of Cork. Do you, do you, do you feel it's a clean city? By and large, you? it's a clean city. Uh, so according to this, Cork City Centre, Mahan and the North Side rank poorly in the latest litter survey. Now, this was set up in 1996. This is the Irish Business Against Litter. It's an alliance of companies sharing a belief that continued economic prosperity, notably in the areas of tourism and food and direct foreign investment, um, is all based on a clean, litter-free environment. Connor Horgan joins us on the line. Good morning, Connor. How are you? Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, lovely good, to you. talk to you. Thank you very much. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you you and the group assess different areas in Cork. I mean, this is a league table. This is like the Premier League table yeah. of litter, and nobody wants to be at the top of this, mm-hmm. Connor. That's right. And we don't do anything, but we ask Antashka to hit the ground and visit these towns and cities at least twice a year and just measure the litter levels in these areas. So it's not like the tidy towns where there's other beautification elements and different plans to make the town as nice as possible. This is just about the volume of litter on the ground. That means dividing an area like Cork City Centre into, say, 25 or 30 different sites. 
Okay. And then grading them A, B, C or D. A and being virtually free of litter, D being a litter black spot. And, and how do you carry out these assessments in different areas? You know, obviously you said there's teams of people that they go. Are they yes. just going around with a, with a holding a chart and, and taking note yes. of what they see? It's that simple. Effectively, yes, because, I mean, it's not as if you can say we'll pick 50 metres of road here. You know, if you're doing a car park, different rules will apply. Um, If you're doing a square, it will be different from doing an approach road. So there is a level of subjectivity to it, but the people have been doing it now for about 20 years. So, And we've also presented it to international bodies, and I think the methodology is quite robust. Do you think it's it's fair, Connor? for, like, let's, let's talk about disadvantaged areas? Yeah. Where... You, you know that in these areas versus the affluent areas, it, it, there's going to be much more lead, litter, there's going to be a m- lot more stuff thrown around the place. Uh, so is, is it fair to assess them in that sense? Well, I mean, it's a fair point. Is it fair to compare them? Um, we want to assess them def- definitely. And ultimately, if we find that Dublin's north inner city is a litter black spot, yeah. we want to shout that out. Maybe it's not too fair to have it at the, at the foot of a league table, but ultimately, if it's a litter black spot, it has to be fixed. And that applies to all these other towns. They're only at the bottom of our table because they really need fixing. Um, you mentioned Cork Northside is heavily littered, Cork City Centre littered. Um, if they were clean and were to the bottom, I might say, well, it's not fair to compare the two. But littered is littered and it's not acceptable. Mm. Do you think that, and I'm, go- I'm going to make a prediction here in terms of what I think would uh, be the areas that would have a lot of litter. I would say that it would be urban areas that aren't very business, business heavy, but very uh, house heavy. Uh, so that, because what I'm thinking here is if if people see it as viable to have a clean area because there's a new shopping centre going in there, it'll be cleaner. Whereas if it's not economically to anyone's advantage, then it's just left to go to disarray. And I don't think that's the problem or the, the, the fault of the people living there. I think it's more systemic that it's like, ah, well, that's just people living up there. We don't care about mm. that. There's a shopping centre going over there. Let's clean up that area. Mm. I think you're fairly spot on there. Certainly, you know, when we, we started this journey nearly 20 years ago and, you know, our, our cities were, were all together very littered when, when we started on, on, on the march. And definitely it was those high footfall areas, the tourist areas, the commercial areas, they were cleaned up first. And they do remain pretty clean. O'Connell Street and that, that's clean and that's always clean. And it is those areas where the cleaning schedules aren't as rigorous, typically. They may not be clean twice a day. They probably won't be. And um, there is an element of those areas and the people in them being neglected by the local authority. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. And even though we're a business group, we do think that, you know, everyone deserves a clean environment. Um, not forgetting that it's the people themselves who litter. But nonetheless, everyone deserves a clean environment. And, you know, clean streets can be the start of rejuvenation of an area. It's hard to have any pride in your area if you're waking up to dirty streets every day. Mm, so, so do you present this then to local county councils and go, lads, get your act together? We do. And we get very interesting responses from them. Mostly we get no response. In the case of certain councils, they'll bring us in and they'll say, look at the areas you've pinpointed. Here's the problem. We're trying to fix it. We've succeeded or we haven't succeeded. Um, And in other cases, we'll pretty much be told to clear off. Do do you think as well that, to the point that you said about it's very hard to have pride in the place where you live if the the streets are littered, do you not think there's a counter-argument to that to say that it's very hard to to, to, to want to clean up your streets if you feel disenfranchised in the first place? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, people have said to us as well that, like, why are you always slamming Dublin's north inner city? You're not giving them a chance. And if, you know, if we heard that there was a plan in place where that we would go away for a few years, leave the area alone and come back to a cleaner area, we would absolutely take that on. Mm-hmm. But any local authorities that have said to us, will you leave us alone? It's it's never with a plan in place mm. as to how they're going to fix things if we leave the area. So if we leave Cork Northside as it is, what do you think is going to happen? It, it doesn't no get any publicity better. publicity around and yeah. it won't get any better. I, I, th- I think, Connor. look, at, at the core of what you're doing, the intention is really good and it's positive. And I suppose if people, you know, the more people get together and start working on their local areas, uh, you know, not just because of a push of what you guys have found, I think it's just a case of looking around your area and going, what can we do to make this a little bit better? And just, and just have a bit of home pride in, in where you live. Um, thank Thanks for talking to us and take care. 
pleasure thanks a lot thanks a million that's Conor Horgan uh, chatting to us so that's the Irish uh, Business Against Litter the alliance of companies uh, that get together to, to to mark out different areas and by the way for Moy uh, you're taking the trophy there uh, the tidiest town in Cork and the tidiest area right. is for Moy so keep up the I, good work I think genuinely I think litter is a mark of, uh, of, of an area that is forgotten about mm-hmm. by the people who should be looking after people in that area okay, I think litter is an, is, a, is an effect not a cause you can start by emptying the bin in the studio please I don't care about that hallway <laughs> <laughs> it's outside the door uh, we will talk to you tomorrow morning uh, we're back at 7am tomorrow with yep. an extended breakfast show we'll be covering for PJ again tomorrow thanks to Fergal for taking care of business here and uh, stand by Wayne's on the way talk Good to luck. you tomorrow Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.